You're listening to Sports Radio Detroit. Get the scoop on Tigers today. Tigers SRD on SportsRadioDetroit.com. Welcome to another episode of Tigers SRD here on the Tiger Minor League Report Network. I'm Roger Castillo alongside Chris Brown. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Tiger MLB Report, uh, ML Report. You can follow Chris at ChrisBrown0914. And you can follow me at RajCast81. And of course, you can follow the new account at Tigers SRD. There's not really in the off season. I'm just giving a little fair warning to everybody right now. With my work schedule the way it's been, and Chris and I have been pretty busy with things. We're not gonna be tweeting out there very much, but come baseball time to get some more stuff. Uh, more when Tigers kick back in. Chris, are you? Is there a railroad near you? What is going on? There is. There, there's a train right behind our house. Okay, that is. Uh, that was a. Uh, <laughs> It is Halloween. I was gonna say is that the I was gonna trade the freight train and make some sort of bad movie reference. But because speaking of movies tonight, we're gonna have you can follow my Twitter at Perry Loves Film, old friend of the show, long time friend of the show, and uh, first time caller. No, that's that's a bad that's a bad connotation. Um, Perry, how you doing? Hi, everybody. There we go. And uh, yeah, we're gonna be talking some we're gonna be talking some movies tonight. We're gonna talk a lot of uh, World Series talk, of course, in the Tigers. Gift us gave us a gift of the forty man roster as Chris nailed it down to they said they had to count them to thirty two and that's exactly what happened today as the Tigers cut really a bunch of you know some some fan favorites Blaine Hardy was one of them he will now be a free agent uh, Daniel Shump uh, Victor Alcantara John Hicks and then uh, Nick Ramirez Zach Reigner Edward. Eraldo Jimenez were dust or were outright the AAA Toledo, and same thing with Dustin Peterson. Um, all four of those will be eligible for minor league free agency. I think after five or six days after the World Series ends, so and that reduces the roster to thirty four. But um, how did it get down to thirty two though? That was the only couldn't remember. Uh, I assume. Well, let's see. So they must have. Have they already? done something with any players or is it they're just not counting the guys who are free agents i don't think they're counting the free uh, maybe maybe it's that though like edwin jackson and jordy mercer and and tyson ross and those guys that's i assume that they're not on the roster anymore but i don't know exactly how that works (coughs) yeah so uh, yeah go ahead chris i'm sorry oh no nothing yeah yeah I, i just i think i suggested it they needed to get it down into 32 or so and there's probably some other guys they can still get rid of I, I was a little bit um, surprised by Nick Ramirez because he was like he. I think he threw the fifth most innings for the team this year. You know, he wasn't terribly good, but he was a lefty long reliever. I thought maybe they might keep him around, but it's not like a, any huge loss. And I don't know if he's. I think Emily tweeted out that a couple of them have already elected to become free agents. I don't know if she had that right or. I, you know, all these the intricacies of, of roster movement always elude me a little bit. But uh, we talked about it. I mean, there's going to be a huge roster churn uh, this this offseason and next offseason. So it's begun. 
yeah, the the cleansing, if you will, will be done. And as I play some boys to men, cleansing, the cleansing. And I'm not sure exactly if it's a cleansing or not. Um, <coughs> New GM Slobodan Milosevic. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that the Yugoslavian prime minister, Chris? He was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What other podcast? When you joke about genocide, right? Yeah, no one likes that joke. Yeah, um, sorry about that. That's okay. But uh, also, what other podcast, baseball podcast, will make a reference to a Yugoslavian <laughs> prime minister? The answer is nobody else but us, folks. <laughs> but, I mean, I can't guarantee that, but yeah, <coughs> yeah. Other, I assume most other podcasts have taste. Yeah, <laughs> well, we have a sense of humor, and you know, we, we have jokes. We're not, we're not serious about that. But I mean, I'm, I'm playing boys to men behind us. As you know, it's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday, but. No, for for people for people out there, in terms of who they could potentially, I mean, they could go let the uh, as Jason Beck astutely pointed out, and he did made a good point. They could stock themselves up with Rule Five talent because who knows what's going to happen? I mean, with the Yankees announcing today they're going to go after Garrett Cole, there's a spot, so the Yankees have some talent that potentially they could go after. But um, there's a lot of teams. I mean. Padres also have some made decisions. We talked about this before. So, but among the, their own roster, I mean, Daz Cameron, Bo Burrows, Derek Hill, Anthony Castro. Who, by the way, I don't know if you noticed this or not, Chris, but he's been tweeting out random like one word, two word things. So I'm not sure if it's a, not. It's some Arizona fall ball thing. I'm not sure, but uh, either way, he had another strong outing the other day. Yes, he did. And um, I don't know, Chris. I, I think he, I think he deserves a chance to make the roster. Yeah, I do too. I, I am skeptical they're going to add him, though. Just based on everything else we've seen throughout his career. I, I don't, um, but who knows? I don't know. I, we, you always remember it with the Rule 5 that it's it's just kind of a calculated risk. You, you know, you don't, it's like if you don't uh, protect these guys, you, you're not guaranteed to lose them. But there are certain guys who, who have enough potential that you want to make sure. Because another team would, would happily grab. Daz Cameron and play him in the outfield for a year and then if they had to send him back to the minors but other guys you know I, I, I'm not sure I, mean, I think the Tigers will protect Derek Hill but I'm again I'm, I'm not entirely sure another team will take a shot on him and, and keep him all year so the Tigers might not have to uh, so it, it'll be interesting to see what choices they make yeah I mean a guy I mean uh, Vladimir Pinto and Jason Foley among others, are part of that list, too, in <laughs> Kyle Funkhauser and Bo Burrow. Like I mentioned, Bo Burrow. So the question, yeah, I mean. And, I, and I'm still, I can't get a clear feel. I think Isaac Paredes needs to be added, but I'm not entirely sure about that. <laughs> like, because the Cubs signed him when he was 16. And I think, depending on, like, when you play your first game, you can you can get an extra year I don't know exactly how they do it, but uh, but how many like he's played this year, last year, and the year before for the Tigers? There's only been two years. It's been three seasons, right? Yeah, three seasons, correct. All right, let me just uh, the old because yeah, typically it's it's what it's five seasons if yes. you've uh, were signed before you were 18, and four if you were signed after you were 18. Is that? Uh, so he was signed in 2016. So I, I don't know if he needs to be added or not. I, I, some people are saying he does. Fangraph says he doesn't. I don't exactly know the, the rules of this. So whatever. 
No, and, and, yeah. I, I'll clear you <clears> if up, he but... does, they're certainly going to add him. If yeah. he does and they don't realize it, then we can fire everybody. Um, if he doesn't, then that gives him a little bit more room. But Yeah, I mean, in terms of even a guy like Jason Full, who's just recovering from – he's recovering from surgery, so – do you give him a chance, or you just let him out there? And, and, no, you know, I don't. I don't think they'll they'll uh, they'll worry about Jason Foley. Yeah, I I it, like my dark horse for them to pick protect somebody would be Angel De Jesus, who they were kind of, you know, there was some some. Oh, I got I some. Know, you say, I got some clarity about some, some pumping of him. Them. Some okay, I do have some uh, clarity about that. By the way. When an amateur player signs or placed in the team's minor leagues, he's not supposed to be on the 40-man master. However, that's only five years for players signed at 18 or younger, or four years for players signed older than 18. After after time has passed, the player must be placed on the 40-man roster. So uh, that was from yeah, Banish so, the so, Yeah, Freddie's was signed in the 2016 July 2 class. So if you count 2016, 17, 18, 19, that's four years. Um. I don't think he has to be added until next year. By but then you I, maybe I'm hopefully maybe you, I'm wrong. Hopefully by then he's on the roster. You would think. Yeah, I mean, well, it's one of those things where if he had to be added this offseason, then it's kind of strange that they didn't bring him up the way they did with. I mean, I guess they didn't do that with Daz Cameron either. But but Freddie's actually had a pretty solid year. Um, and you know they they've done it with a couple other guys. They did it with Jake Rogers. Maybe it's just the age thing. But in any event. Uh, I know this will all be cleared up for us in another month or so. Yeah, and there's uh, plenty of other drama to go with that too, including the World Series. Well, last night the Nationals laid out a whooping to the Astros, twelve to three. But that's not the reason why the Astros are in the news today. Brian, the assistant general manager Brian, uh, Tal- is it Tobelman? Tobman. Tobman was fired, and it comes out after he called out this incident. Then the ALCS, where he made appropriate comments towards the female reporters uh, about Robert Roberto Asuna, who, of course, we all know was arrested for domestic violence and served 75-game suspension. And what he said was, he had said to yell, thank God we got Osuna. I'm so effing glad we got Osuna. And uh, the acts were picked up by Sports Illustrated reporter Stephanie Epstein, and it was also, I mean, it was also pointed out, too, that Tobin's was, excuse me, the intended targets were wearing domestic violence awareness bracelets. So, apparently the reporter and him had a history, and um, she, he had been pissed off that he was tweeting out the phone number of a domestic violence hotline during his appearances, and this was according to NPR. So, uh, the release, uh, the PR release is very standard, and... For the past two days, the Astros proactively assisted Major League Baseball in interviewing Astro employees as part of MLB's investigation. Other events published in recent Sports Illustrated articles. In the Sports Illustrated article, Major League Baseball also has separately interviewed members of the media over the last 24 hours. Our initial investigation leads us to believe that Brian Tobin's <coughs> inappropriate comments were not directed towards any reporter. We are wrong. We sincerely apologize to uh, Stephanie Epstein. Sports Illustrated all individuals who witnessed the incident or were offended by the inappropriate, cop- inappropriate conduct. The Astros no way intended to minimize issues related to domestic violence and goes on a little longer. But 
uh, Chris, I was they. I mean, they had zero po- zero tolerance, and they were quick to react after the initial where they said Sports Illustrated was full of crap, and now they went out and did something pretty quickly right away. Yeah, I mean, I guess it is. It feels odd in this era for something terrible to happen, and then a denial. I mean, that that part happens all the time, uh, and lies. But then for something, the right thing to happen is the odd part. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so used to just bad things happening and lies, and then it continues. Um, but, but still, yeah, like it's still really shady that. Like their their initial report, they they came out and blasted the reporter in Sports Illustrated and said it was like made up and why would they do this? And, and then two days later, like oh right, it was a hundred percent true and our guy was lying. Like what what where was the disconnect there? <laughs> Who was like I I don't know. It, it's 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 one of those things where like you're gonna get this kind of behavior when you, you I mean baseball front offices are starting to look more like. Uh, I don't know, like Wall Street bros who might get shot on a subway in self-defense. Um, <laughs> but they, like, yeah, like you get these 35-year-old uh, kind of Ivy League uh, D-bags. And, 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 yeah, I mean, what, what was the – this guy was aggrieved because the Astros went and traded for a, a guy, a player who was – uh, charged with domestic violence, and he didn't serve any like jail time because his wife refused to testify. Um, and so, a female reporter, like you said, when he took the mound, was talking about domestic violence awareness. Like, and this made a guy angry. Like, what? I, I, it's just so weird that the whole thing sucks. And the Astros, they they failed in a couple regards. They should have just fired the guy immediately instead of pretending like the reporters were lying. And in doing, uh, not doing so, they turned a one or two day story into a multi day story that hang like a, uh, hung like a cloud over the World Series. Yeah. And uh, you know the focus should be on the players, and instead it's been on this d bag. And uh, well, I'm you know I'm glad he got fired. And uh, yeah, we'll see if, if people can move on. They, they apologize to the reporter. They still haven't said who wrote the initial report though. The one that denied it. Well, by the so. way, I mean, you know what's even interesting was uh, Astros GM Jeff Loonhow, what he said to Sports Talk 790 after – it was really bizarre. And this was on Deadspin. Quote, Brandon has apologized for inappropriate behavior, and I think, from my perspective, clearly something happened that he regrets, Loonhow said. What we really don't know is the intention behind the inappropriate comments he made. We may never know because the person who said them and the person who heard them, at least up to this point, have different perspectives. I mean, what the hell is that? I mean, like, <laughs> no, that's, that's classic, like, Reagan era. Like, how can anybody really know anything? <laughs> it's, more, I mean, it's, it's like that found, like, it's like that sol- found, solipsistic uh, creatures, and uh, we really can't understand anything. Oh, it's like that, like, even what more... is truth? <laughs> what is fact? You know, well, like, really, we don't really know, do we? And I think we've done good. <laughs> or case in point, like this week, with the, the story that came out of Founders about Founders getting sued by an African American oh, gentleman, God. and the guy goes, "I don't, That's I didn't know he was African. I didn't know he was African American." Yeah, did, did you read the transcript of that? Yes, I did. Yeah, God, it reminded oh. me of uh, <laughs> just the 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 
purposeful obtuseness is just maddening. It reminded me there was a great, uh, I don't know how long ago this was, but there was a, a story about like a, a, a woman being deposed about a copier, a copy machine. And the lawyer spent like eight minutes trying to get her to acknowledge what a copy machine was. And it, it was just absolutely absurd. And they actually turned it into like a small film starring John Innes. Uh, wow. From, from Mr. Show. Who was also, by the way, John Innes, a very small role in Zodiac, which I was just watching last night. That's a good movie. Um, I still haven't finished it. I've watched that movie for hours. Uh, just, just, uh, just a recent update to the story. Astros GM Jeff Lunau was asked whether he had personally reached out to Stephanie Epstein to apologize. Lunau said he's been busy and he hasn't had the time. <laughs> Stephanie was sitting <laughs> yeah. in the room. I've been busy. Yeah, yeah she was in the room. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just, yeah. Wow. And, yeah, but uh, get back to the actual baseball aspect of it all. The, the Nationals look like a team of destiny. I mean, I thought that the little layoff like the Tigers had that they would show rust, and they haven't. They've Juan Soto is becoming a postseason legend. Home field manager doesn't mean dick. And it's really the Nationals are just grinding it out. Every just playing. I mean, that was one play yesterday. The the missed ball by Breckman that kind of led to that whole beginning. I mean, the, the mm-hmm. game one was classic. You know, five four. And I mean, you got. It was just. It was a very good game. The first game, and then I mean, you, you saw the same thing. You, it was a tense game, two two. <coughs> but yesterday was such a bizarre game. Verlander threw his threw in his leg, but then this, the Kurt, ocean music. Yeah, Kurt Suzuki, by the way, over three hundred lifetime hitter against Justin Verlander. Yeah, I've always I've always viewed Kurt Suzuki as a tiger killer, and it may have been that he was just a Verlander killer. But it is yeah, like you know, that first game was basically the Juan Soto like coming out party. That hopefully I don't know I don't know how much of a national audience is watching, but like for how incredibly good that young player is, and. We know how incredibly good he is because the next game, the Astros intentionally walked him. Their first intentional walk of the entire season, yeah. um, which is wow. kind of remarkable, and it backfired on him. Yeah, but yeah, that was that was the strangest thing. It's one of those weird baseball things where it was the way innings can pile up on you before you even realize it. So Verlander gives up that home run, and then he walks walks a guy who uh, in Victor Robles who is not really a very patient hitter. So they pull out Verlander and then another walk. And then, like, the three hits in that inning yeah. were, like, dribblers and, and just hitting the right spot or weekly hit bloops. Like, it's, it's just one of those random – but it is, it is kind of that thing where people argue about you know, putting balls in play more often, and they didn't strike out in that inning. So they put balls in play, and they just kind of got lucky, and then everything went to hell. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, it's a pretty daunting task for the, the Astros to come back now. But I think they can. I mean, they, they, the Nationals are a very good team, but I think the Astros are still a little bit better. But they, they certainly dug themselves a big hole. Yeah, not to mention, too, even like yesterday when Altuve stole third, we have Michael Brantley up at bat, who is a pretty good hitter. You have one yeah, he out. Yeah, you got thrown out. Yeah, you got thrown out. And it wasn't, even, it wasn't even close. I mean, Suzuki, we talked about this earlier in the year, Chris. The reason why I like that signing by the Nationals is that it's straight thing. It strengthened a, a, a definite need defensively for catcher-wise because last year they're catching – it was such a disaster last year between – was it Weeders? I mean, they had a bunch of catchers. I don't I – mean, I think it was Weeders or yeah, – I, I don't know if they had Ramos or 
Yeah, I think Ram- didn't Ramos getting like had some issues down in Venezuela too last year? Well, or... a few years back, yeah, I think he, he was kidnapped or his family was kidnapped. Yeah, all sorts of chaos. Well, there was a kidnapping. Yes. Yeah, there's some sort of chaos to it, but <laughs> <laughs> but Michael Brantley then hits a single, and then you see Altuve going to the bench like, yeah. what? Why? Why the hell did I do that? Why did I steal? And I, I, the Astros could have easily driven him home. I, I, I don't. I mean, I'm, on a one out, of course, I don't think he would have gone based off the strength. Well, it was a Michael Taylor, um, Michael B. Taylor out there. <laughs> Michael A. Taylor. Yeah. Michael A. Taylor, who's yeah. probably his big fan of Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the middle initials yeah, or, here. And Michael C. Hall. That's where I was going. <laughs> that's where I was going next. Nice. Or um, Mike D. from the uh, Beastie Boys. Yeah, there you go. Or uh, Mike oh, E. Clark, nice. producer of the. Uh... I was going to go. I was going to go pretty good. What about, uh, Michael, good. what about Michael Anthony, the bassist from Van Halen? Uh, there you go. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> and of course, um, and of course, they're all big fans of F. Murray Abraham. Who is it? Go through the alphabet. Or about, or about the, but the original CB is it uh, DB Cooper, the guy who flew over. Uh, CB right. Cooper or CB was it CW McCall? Yeah, damn it, I was gonna say that. Or uh, how did DB Sweeney not get a role playing DB Cooper? <laughs> it just seems like a natural. <laughs> hey, he was so good in that. Uh, was it the? Uh, Fire Walk was it not Fire Walk with me? The alien movie? What was that movie? Fire, no, no, no. Fire fire oh fire from fire from the sky? Yeah. Fire so, in the sky? Yeah. Oh, was that was that DB Yeah. Yeah, that'd be the DB yeah, Sweeney. The Travis, what's his story? Yeah. With the syrup? Yeah, the guy who uh, thought he was was kidnapped by or said he was kidnapped by aliens. But uh speaking of just one more. Just one more. Uh, um that? I'm trying to like the most random initials. For somebody's name that I can remember is R.W. McQuarters. Oh, for the Bears? The <laughs> Bears safety? Has, yeah. Has there ever been another R.W.? I don't think so. I can't think of it. That's a good one. Um, yeah, nothing comes to mind. Yeah, I can't think of a, a good R.W. Um, Robert, Robert William McQuarters. What? Guess you didn't want to be Rob or Will or Bill or uh, Bob. I was trying to think of a good. I was trying to think of a good. Bobby. Um, Bobby. Uh, I was trying to think of a good baseball one. I can think of A.J. Sager came to mind. That's. I'm drawing a blank. I'm, I'm sure there's probably good ones. B.J. Serhoff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. B.J. Uh, Serhoff. He had that. He was the first guy who had that helmet, like the extended helmet, because he always used to get hit. D- D.J. Dozier. There you go. C.C. Sabathia. Uh, C.C. Sabathia. That's a that's an unusual one. Duh. Although then there was C.C. Lee, right? Another yeah. C.C. pitcher. Yeah, wasn't he a reliever? Uh, this was... was he a reliever? I don't know if he was a reliever or a starter. I think I remember pitching him for, for Cleveland. J.A. or J- yeah. J. Happ? Or was it J.A. Happ? Yeah. Yeah, J.A., but they always said J. Like, yeah. yeah we hey, we've really gone off the deep end here. Yes, we have. We have. We have to <laughs> – let's get back. Speaking of going off the deep end, by the way, um, MLB Ump says he's going to buy a gun and says he was going to threaten if Trump is impeached. So, uh, yeah. So, it's actually a great segue into yes, that. Yes, Trump is impeached. <laughs> yes. So, whatever your political affiliation, um, it was since deleted tweet. Another deleted tweet has caused uh, controversy. Just ask the uh, Houston Rockets that question. Um, almost pretty much ending a trade war with China, or trade with China almost. Um, but uh, long time up, Rob Drake tweeted out he would he was um, going to plan to buy an AR-50 rifle because, quote, if you're going to impeach my president this way, you'll have to another civil war. Hashtag Magna 2020. <laughs> yeah. I, generally speaking, if you're a public figure in any capacity, it's not a good idea to threaten civil war. <laughs> just, it just, yeah. It doesn't matter what what side of the political spectrum you fall on. 
(laughs) And if that's too hard for you, just don't tweet. There you go. You're a major league umpire. Why do you need to tweet? There's yeah. no reason for you to be tweeting. <laughs> there isn't. There really isn't. Apparently, he's this not is... a big fan of the Guns N' Roses song, I Don't Need Your Civil War, but I don't yeah. need well, People your were talking about, uh, like, robot umps wouldn't say this. <laughs> <laughs> they would say Death to All Humans instead, though, right? Although, they might, yeah. They, they might. It would be It'd be interesting. You wouldn't argue with a robot ump if it was, like, outfitted with a flamethrower. <laughs> or just his <laughs> eyes would light up red. And the Keep walking. Again. Yeah. I want to... I want the cool Paul Verhoeven movie, Robo Ump. (laughs) If they question the call, they just get shot dead. Like right there. And I want Wesley Snipes to come out of like the retirement he was like in the family, the Giants, and he's the only one that's gonna be able to to save him. I can sell that ump some knives. Because you know Wesley Snipes is the only owner to pay back his taxes, and that's why he's doing the movie. It's called the Fan. You know what it's called? It's gonna be called the Fan Twenty Forty, and that's what it's gonna be. Yeah, so Wesley Snipes is going to be the fan. He was like, these Robolumps, man, they're on to something. And he's like, you're just seeing it because Robert De Niro stalked you. And so that's what it is, the fan 2040. There's a bit of a Snipes of right, right now, isn't it? It writes itself. <laughs> it's too good. It writes itself. It's perfect. Did that, uh, did that um, Dolomite movie ever come out? Did, I think uh, it, it's, it's on Netflix Friday. It's played in theaters. Oh. Uh, and it's it's on Netflix in uh, well as we're recording this tomorrow. Oh, fantastic! By the way, I, I used to play um, no joke when I played laser tag in high school. There was a guy who his laser tag name was Jill Renard, and he did it just to, and no one got and like no one got it but me. And I'm like, so I guess you're a big fan of the the fan, huh? And he's like, <laughs> he's like, how'd you know about the movie? I'm like, well, it's baseball, and I like baseball. <laughs> And so for a while, like, I go, so you're gonna try to kill Bobby Rayburn because I'm Bobby Rayburn clearly, and he's. <laughs> It's <laughs> so weird. Like, it's yeah. a crappy movie you're a fan of. By the way, yeah, and not to mention, Belenicio Del Toro's in that movie, and I totally forget he was. He was a guy named, by the way, Juan, yes. Juan Primo. He's so, he's so weird when you <laughs> see some of these movies he shows up in. But uh, anyway, all right. Um, but, yeah, so that happened. Also, in the news, too, the Padres have a new manager. And, Chris, I don't – to be honest with you, I don't really know uh, – the Padres and the Phillies – we called it because Joe Girardi was old school and Philly got scared of new school. So that happened. But the, the, the Padres went a little new school with Jace. I'll let you have it. Tingler. Tingler. Jace Tingler. Teaching yep. Mr. Tingler. Yeah. He was the <laughs> he was the Rangers Major League Player Development Field Coordinator. And he was working with the outfielders and base runners. And he's currently, I think he's managing the, the Dominican Winter League. But uh, so this guy... Um, the Padres won them. The, oh, Cubs hired David Ross, so that's kind of yeah a little bit of a head scratcher for me. But uh, you know, um, also, well, oh, by I, the way, there was news today's. By the way, Bill James is leaving the Red Sox. Oh, I didn't uh, see that. Yeah. Interesting. Go ahead. I'm sorry, was go ahead. it uh, on his choice? Oh, uh, yes, it's his choice. Huh. He's he I'm said you know, to... his quote was, "I leave the Red Sox in the best possible terms. I'm still friendly with everyone I've worked with." work with there from the owners to the security guards. I still intend to watch every Red Sox game. Well, maybe not every game. Retirement means I don't have to stay up and watch them play a four-game, four-hour game in Seattle ended up ending at one thirty. In exchange for that, the next time we win the World Series, I won't get a ring. Oh, all right. So he's he's just retiring. Yep. Fair enough. It's time, I think, given some of his online interactions, too. Um <laughs> 
Well, you know, there's a little bit. He's got a little bit of that. Uh, uh, I don't know. Old man I, I, no, Well, sort of. I Sometimes I call it like the engineer mentality, which is not uh, fair. Oh, because I get what you're saying some, with that, yeah. Not every engineer is like this, but the, the like, the... the the, the like personally offended if you're not looking at things 100% logically at all times. <laughs> like, what is, what is this emotion? Um, <laughs> well, I was like, I don't know if you saw when Neil deGrasse Tyson, there was a mass shooting and Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson tweeted out about how like you're more likely to die of heart attacks or whatever. And it's like, yeah. that's not really helping, guy. Yeah. We understand. Like, people understand you're more likely to die from like a toilet explosion, but it doesn't, it's not the time. It's not the time. It, but, you know, men of science. <laughs> I remember he had this. He was on with uh, Joe Rogan. He he was talking about how he, like, Joe goes, you don't have a phone case. He goes, and he made it sound like Snow simple. He goes, I don't need a phone case because the phone is in my hand. When I have it in my hand, like I'm paraphrasing him, of course, but he was talking about how when it's in his hand, he is kind of one with it. He goes, so I don't need to carry a case when this is – just singularly focused on this one item in my hand. It made it sound so like easy, and it's like, well, I mean, what about when you go to the gym? You know, I want to go to the gym or whatever, but, I mean, I left that. I, you know, of course, Joe Rogan. No, yeah, it, it but... it was, I'm, it's probably, I've got a fair amount of money. If I drop it and break it, I can get it fixed. Yep. And, exactly. Exactly. And physics can explain that. So. There we go. That's what I mean. Just some, some, you know, some quote about physics and being science, you know, smart and all that. So. so. Yeah, but yeah, Ting- Tingler to the Padres, Joe, Joe Girardi to the Phillies. It's interesting. And Tingler is is AJ Preller is old. You know, he knows him from Texas. Um, and then Girardi, I guess it, like it is kind of the the bounce back from trying to go young and modern with Gabe Kapler. They're going more old school with Joe Girardi. Um, and then the David Ross one is kind of more. It's more along the lines of like the Alex Cora hire and Aaron Boone. Yeah. Where you go and get a, a recently retired player who, who I mean, David Ross probably played with some of these dudes. I'm sure he did. Yes, like, he did. Yeah. He was, he was on the team like two years ago. Um, so, yeah, it, it's more they just want the manager to kind of be a conduit for the front office. And, uh, you know, that, that's, that seems to be the way that it's going now rather than a, an authority figure. Especially too, yeah. th- doesn't didn't Andy McPhail uh, from Baltimore go to Philly too? Uh, the was was wasn't the, was he the GM in Baltimore? I think it was. Oh, I don't was know. A, I, I'm not sure what his um, exact title was. I just remember a lot of those, like a lot of old. I'm trying to remember the transition of that all, but um, yeah, I, I'm trying to draw a blank. But no, I, I think Philly Philly tried to embrace the new and didn't like it and. Yeah, I don't know. I it's yeah they hired they hired yeah they hired him as the yeah he's the special assistant or he's now uh, yeah it was the he's the president of baseball operations. Oh, I'm not sure if I want anybody named McPhail in my business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean he was the ba- he was the president of baseball operations from the Orioles beforehand. So I mean this is as old as old school can get here. So, um. Here's, I mean, the guy who succeeded, Pat Gillick, was old school too. So, you know, Gillick, well, you know, not everything works for everybody, I guess. Right. 
So yeah, I mean, yeah, he was the he was the GM. I mean, everybody remembers that he was a GM for the Twins, the, responsible for the two Twin World Series in eighty seven, ninety one. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, this is what the Phillies wanted to do, and so and and, and you know, for David Ross, it makes sense, but for the Cubs, maybe it's just the way that Epstein's working. It, yeah, you're right. A good way to put that is cond or uh, conduit. So there you go. But uh, moving on, um, in terms of even another really baseball story, we we'll get to movies. Um, I don't know if you saw this today, Chris, but uh, Chris Bryant uh, filed a grievance. <coughs> I think he filed a grievance like four years ago. I think it's finally being heard. Yeah, the service time manipulation that the Cubs did because uh, he's going to be a free agent after 2021. Um, his whole gripe was that they waited to call him up for AAA in 2015 until, was it one day, was it, for service time or something they, like that? They, they wait, Yeah, they waited. It was like a week before they called him up. They said he had to work on his defense, and then somebody got hurt, and magically his defense was okay enough for them to bring up. Um, it was, yeah, it was a very clear and, and obvious case of service time manipulation, which is technically against the rules. But every single team does it, uh, or has tried it. I, I don't know if the Tigers have tried it just yet, but it will once you know when Casey Mize and Matt Manning those guys start coming up, um, and we'll see what happens. I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, <laughs> and the players tend to lose out on these types of things. And yeah, and from his perspective, it was basically one or two days cost him a whole year, which could cost him. I don't know, $10, 15000000 million. I mean, he's going to get handsomely paid in arbitration anyway, but it's going to uh, probably subtract from the length of his first free agent contract, possibly only, you know, big free agent contract. And the dollar amount will probably be lower because he'll be a year older. So, I mean, he's got a beef. And, and that's, as we were talking to our, uh, our new Cub friends last week, like, they understand why he wants to leave. Yeah, or they I don't know if they, they said that, but they said that like it's it's pretty clear that he's he hasn't talked about an extension. It seems like he wants to leave because of this. So I was actually thinking earlier today if the Tigers, if they wanted to, do they actually have the trade chips to trade for like Chris Bryant and Francisco Lindor? And the answer, uh, the answer is no. I, well, I think theoretically <laughs> they could get Bryant. Um just because the Cubs need pitching prospects and they would only have him for like two years and he'd be still be pretty expensive, but that would be a very foolish move at this point. So, and Lindor, I think is a little more sketchy. I don't think they could get him. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, Scott Boris is Chris Bryant's agent. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're trading for him, you're not going to sign him to an extension and all that good stuff. Yeah, exactly. So the answer pretty much is nope. Yeah. So, But uh, yeah, it, for the that's that's kind of a big deal, and it could set a precedent going forward with all these a lot of young talent too that keeps coming up. I mean, look at Juan Soto, there's Victor Robles, and then with the Nationals, even Alex Bregman to a certain degree. So there's a lot of young talent that's going to be out there, and so this could be impactful for that. So, but uh, it's time for the part of the show where we bring in Perry and we talk a little bit of movie, a little pop culture. As there's a lot of things going on. I mean, Halloween movies, whatever. I mean, I I'm not a big. I mean, I like suspense movies, some horror movies. I'm like, eh, about. I mean, I, I we we did an episode of my other podcast, Over Under Fair, and they did underrated horror movies, and I just sat and recorded because I had done, got nothing. 
Um, I mean, like the last horror movie I've seen, like I used to watch a lot of '80s slasher flicks, like uh, or '70s ones, like *Fright Train*, um, all the Jason movies, and then *Tales from the Dark Side*, some of the TV show stuff. But like in terms of like a modern horror movie in the last ten years that I've actually gone on to see in the theater, I can't think of one I've gone to see. Like I have I legitimately drawn a blank. And then, oh, go ahead. Well, there, and there have been some ones that were very popular and well received in the last uh, few years. Like, I, um, and the one that and Perry, you were not a big fan of Hereditary, uh, but a lot of people seem to like that for some reason. I haven't seen it, so I, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of people seem to like it for some reason. I, I can't well, figure out what that reason is, but yes. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I guess I said that because I know you didn't like it and I haven't seen it. But that one, and there was, yeah, was there I, one about like, I the went witch. To see... I went to see Midsommar just to make sure that Ari Aster was the talentless hack I thought he was. Yes, yes, I'm sure after both Hereditary and Midsommar, this guy really isn't that good. Yeah. Well, and the then which I guess... is interesting because that guy's that guy's new film is opening this weekend in town, uh, The Lighthouse, which mm. is supposedly this super creepy black and white film with Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. Oh, I want to see that. Who work in a lighthouse? <laughs> that movie poster. Well, looks, that movie poster looks badass, and yeah, that looks pretty cool. It's gonna be. It'll be something. I I, I want to see it too. They're re-releasing too this weekend. The the uh, uh, the George Edison or were um uh God um Thomas Edison the break. Yeah, the the the, the movie about. Uh... Edison and uh, yes. Tesla, the yeah. Westinghouse. Yeah. Field. Field? No, what the hell is that thing called? I can never remember. Yeah, that thing's been stuck in uh, in a horrible limbo. That actually played at Toronto, the Toronto Film Festival, last year. And it was basically going to be the big, uh, it was going to be the big Weinstein push. Whoops. And <laughs> And so then there wasn't going to be a big Weinstein push. <laughs> yeah, and it's been in kind of this limbo since then. But I, I, it's it must they must think it's pretty good. They wouldn't give it this kind of they wouldn't give it a release like this unless they thought it was a genuine awards contender. I have not seen it yet, but that cast is fantastic. So I'll yeah. check it out for sure. Yeah, anything that um, was it? Uh, who plays uh, Tesla? Um, man, why am I drawing a blank? I'm... I got the internet right in front of me, and here I am. He was the one dude that I didn't immediately recognize, uh, but you know I'm not Which very good one? at this stuff. So yeah, Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon. Yes. Yeah, I recognize him. I... Well, well, he plays Westinghouse, I think. Okay. Yeah, I'll watch Shannon in anything, yeah, anytime, too. anywhere. Is it Nicholas Holt? Is it Nicholas Holt? Tesla. Let's see. The, yeah, the I... guy from uh, he was he was most people know him from Mad Max. Yeah, I think yeah, I think he plays Tesla, the dude all in silver. Yeah, Michael Michael Shannon made Man of Steel tolerable. (laughs) I never did see that. He's the best thing in it. Yeah, he's by far the best thing in it. Yes, he is. Let's see, Crossing Swords, Dark Phoenix, Deadpool. But think about your question. I I agree. Horror films aren't my favorite kind of films. I just it takes. I don't get scared. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. There are very few films that have ever scared me watching. Like I've said forever, the only time I was ever genuinely scared, like as an adult, yeah, as a kid, horror films are scary. But as an adult, seven to this day 
has freaked me out more than any movie I've ever seen in a theater. Like really? that movie is terrifying <laughs> the first time through. But I think recently, just just last year, I thought Quiet Place was fantastic, and we can debate whether or not that's a horror film. It's certainly a monster movie. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a really beautiful, you know, that's 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 like a grim fairy tale about parenting. <laughs> I really like yeah, that and movie I still haven't seen it. I still haven't seen it. I've been, I've been I started off in the office recently. Just been binging through that because I know it's going away. So it is interesting yes, it to is. see Young Krasinski. Um, but no, this is. I mean, we have a similar view on this. I think we've probably shared it before because I mentioned it last week. Like horror movies generally don't scare me because I know I'm watching a movie. Um, but the ones that do or disturb me tend to involve mental illness. Um, it realistic depictions of mental illness, or not necessarily realistic, but but like I always think of uh, Take Shelter, where you yeah, see a guy. Where you know was it's dealing with schizophrenia and you don't really know what's real and what isn't and and sometimes that can be played really well. Other times, uh, I've got some issues with the way it's done when characters are there who aren't really there. But um, you know, you have sometimes you have to do that to make things happen. <laughs> yes, you, you'd rather go <laughs> the take shelter route than the serious mind route. I got you. I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, but, I mean, but that also kind of brings us to Joker a little bit. Yeah. As it, Absolutely. Is that, um, and that one didn't upset me as much as uh, is what is it? The, yeah, the, the the mind movie. Yeah, the the Russell Crowe. Um, a beautiful, beautiful mind. mind. Yeah, a beautiful mind. Yeah. A beautiful mind. Yeah. Uh, you, you were conflating with a serious man. I, apparently, I was. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, Joker is um, Joker is. Well, let's 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 break down the numbers, shall we? All right. <laughs> yeah, so, just to give some idea, the, the film opened with ninety-three million dollars an opening weekend take, right? Mm-hmm. To give you some kind of perspective, the largest October weekend uh, weekend opening ever to this point was eighty million dollars. So it blew wow. past the record. That's a huge jump. Uh, and it's like the fourth biggest op- – it was the fourth biggest opening ever for an R-rated film behind uh, Deadpool, Deadpool 2, and It Chapter 1. Notice I don't say It Chapter 2, which did not do as well its opening <laughs> weekend as It Chapter 1. Uh, but speaking of horror movies that aren't scary. Uh, but the uh, – so like it's uh, – for me, Joker hit that point almost immediately where – I know I think I've said this quote before on the show. I think it's Jean-Luc Godard said, once a film becomes really popular, it's no longer interesting to talk about if it's good or not. It's interesting to talk about why. Like that's a, yeah. that's a way more fruitful discussion. And so I, I, I think the, I think the movie's a blast to talk about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I just, I, 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 I think it's a really, bold and interesting thing to do. I, I, I don't know that it's successful. Uh, I don't know that it's coherent. I don't know that it's trying to be coherent. <laughs> but I haven't, you know, I, I find it so fascinating, especially with the, you know, the seemingly endless ongoing saga of our Marvel films, cinema or not, according to the great filmmakers of all time <laughs> and, and the internet. That this film is sort of just sitting there, like, well, this is what it looks like if we try. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean that's that, that is a good point. That is an interesting. I don't well because Scorsese was involved with the Joker for a little bit, wasn't he? Yes, originally he was going to be producer on it. I, there are theories as to why that was. There were some beliefs that they wanted uh, they wanted him on board early to sort of put together a New York crew because they knew they wanted to shoot New York City, and mm-hmm. that that would be very helpful in that capacity. But he, I mean, he stepped away from it. Not out of and that's I'm not meaning I don't mean for that to sound if you you know anyone doesn't follow the business closely that doesn't mean anything it wasn't like oh I'm never going to work on this and he walked off he was just okay I, I'm not really interested in <laughs> in working on this any further it's fine good luck God bless move on that, you know I, I he he did not disown this film by any means he just didn't want to work on it uh, yeah I don't know what to. Uh, uh, it, it's, it's a difficult film to talk about if you haven't seen it, right? So are we free? Are we, is, are we accepting that this is a spoiler zone we can discuss? Yeah, I mean, I think we should see Anything it. If anybody hasn't seen it, and if everybody hasn't seen it and wants to see it, then don't listen to, uh, I don't know, the next 10 minutes or so. <laughs> Fair. Fair. Yeah, yeah because, uh, well, you know, one of the interesting things before we get to the actual discussion of the movie, it just, just what made... It reminded me a little bit of of um, not the actual movie itself, but kind of the hype and the lead up to it of the Passion of the Christ. Uh, where <laughs> I know it's, it sounds odd, but like just people seem to be talking about it and like, hey, we have to go see this to see what we're talking about. And I like I didn't want to go see a movie of, of Jesus getting beaten to death. Like I just I'm not I'm not religious, and also I don't like to see people getting beaten to death. But everybody was talking about it. Yeah. I'm like, all right, well, let's watch. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, the Joker had these, you know, got the, the whatever award at the whatever film festival, the golden uh, lion at the Venice film festival. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the old palm, palm Dior. Um, no, it's not, it's not quite as prestigious as the palm Dior, but yeah. it's pretty close. Pretty good. Yeah. I, it, and so that obviously was like, well, wait a minute. All right. Now this is because people knew about it, but like, okay, so this, this might be serious. And then some of the early reviews came out and they were so mixed and not mixed in like, yeah, it's not that great. It was like, you know people absolutely loathed it yeah. <laughs> and it just, it was kind of wild, but uh, yeah, I mean, I yeah, guess I I, I'll let you lead this part, Perry, where we actually discuss the actual film. <laughs> well, and I was curious for the same reasons because for me, Todd Phillips, who directed this movie and I believe is a co-writer on it. So Phillips has this, uh, his comedies have more than a few times, he has this thing where he likes to, so there's a, there's a term in stand-up comedy called walking the room. Do you guys know about this? Have you ever heard that? I think I have. Walk but... the room. So yeah. what this is, is so it's basically when a comedian stops actually trying to get laughs and is tr- literally just trying to get everybody in the audience to get up and walk out. <laughs> uh, yes. And this happens for like one of three reasons, basically either they, have a they 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 have, they want to really screw over the comic who has to follow them. This happens on occasion. They are genuinely trying something edgy, and they have not quite worked it out. Like it's something that you'd see, and it's you know, and it's gestational form. It's going to be a bit eventually, but they haven't figured it out, and it's dealing with something really, really uh, uncomfortable for people, or. They've decided they're in a really pissy mood, or they hate the audience altogether, and they're just going to torture them. Those are the three reasons it tends to happen. And for me, like the greatest cinematic example of walking the room I have ever seen is The Hangover Part Two. It is the most unpleasant film I have sat through, maybe ever. 
<laughs> it, it is an impossible film to like. It is so ugly aesthetically and, and what happened. And it, I thoroughly convinced Phillips made it just to be like, yeah, I can do anything now. <laughs> I, I don't care that you all loved my last movie. I'm going to make you sit through this. And so I was worried that Joker would be just that. And while it is that, it is really hard to sit through. If you are, if you are unaccustomed to anything like that, it is an unpleasant film, purposefully so. Uh, it feels like there's a purpose for it. <laughs> it doesn't feel like he just wants to offend you. He wants to make this as unpleasant as possible so that I would hope no one would find anything romantic or uh, appropriate or reasonable in what this main character does at the end of the movie. It's really hard to do something like this without making it seem like you're making this look cool and the right thing mm -hmm. to do. And I think he took great pains to make sure that's not what was being expressed in any way with this. And I think that's really interesting. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think I actually ever saw The Hangover 2 because I saw The Hangover 1 and I thought, well, I don't need to see that again. Um, <laughs> and then they made a third one, I guess. I, I haven't seen either of those. No, I never saw three. Two in the theater was enough to make me never want to see three. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean... I. When, when I, I think uh, after I saw that, I texted you and I said, I saw it and I have thoughts and then I was trying to text you my thoughts. But yeah, it basically was just a thought provoking movie to me where I, I didn't Now I love um, a good, depressing, upsetting movie. That's one, one of the things <laughs> I enjoy. Yes, I, you do. I, I love a Requiem for a Dream. I love a Deer Hunter. Make me sad. It, <laughs> feel bad about things um so i was like kind of like all right well i can let's let's get into this um but yeah like like it, it just is weird to me that that people were concerned i guess i as you said you, you know if you're focusing so much on one character it's hard to do it and, and not make it like you're praising or, or approving of what he's doing but it just if you watch the movie like i don't know how anybody can come out and go yep yep probably uh, probably a good idea to do that uh, or, or worry that other people are going to get that idea. I, I guess, I mean, a little bit of that, uh, it just goes back into the old idea of like, you know, metal music and rap music and video games, like turning people bad. We're like, oh, you know, the, people don't understand the difference between art and reality or, or games and reality. And uh, I don't know. It, I just, there, it, it wasn't that hard for me. There's a, there's a little bit of that there, more than a little bit. But uh, uh, to, to, to give it some sort of credence, to give this some sort of, uh, uh, to, to try to see the other side of this, I would argue that, okay, but we had a presidential assassination over somebody who became obsessed with Taxi Driver. And <laughs> while this movie is not Taxi Driver by any means, I, I am by no means putting this in the category of Taxi Driver, which I think is the greatest film ever made. Uh, it is certainly it certainly wants to be that to some degree. It wants to be this very subjective, uh, make you feel what it's like to lose your mind for a little bit. I'm not saying Todd Phillips is good enough to pull that off, but that's what he's trying for. And so I can see the trepidation, but at the same time, anytime you hear that a film is going to cause problems, I mean, the only time I can remember this happening in my life this degree was do the right thing mm. when I was 16. I mean, they said this film would cause race riots in the theater. <laughs> they said it all over the place. I mean, it was, it was a, it was a 
constant thread before the movie came out because it had played at, at, at the Cannes Film Festival. So it had, mm-hmm. it had been well seen. And this was a genuine storyline in the press, which granted we can chalk up to racism. That's really <laughs> easy to do. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, for the same reason, I found it fascinating. I'm like, really, like didn't would the FBI or the, or the Pentagon send out a warning <laughs> saying that they feared there would be incidents in the theater of this? Yeah, it was something and like, uh, you're like, Wow, uh, really? Over this? <laughs> yeah, it, it all struck me. Like we, the thing is, like there have been plenty of movies that are kind of central and just focused on bad guys before. Um, the Scarface comes to mind. I mean, it, it's not the saying, you know, that sure. Scarf, he has some redeeming qualities. But uh, or like in Roger brought this one up to me, and I totally forgot about it. Falling down. The uh, oh yeah, the Michael Douglas movie, which I don't. I yeah. you know I I wasn't terribly. Uh, lucid when that came out i don't know it was like 94 95 i mean i i you know i was lucid but i wasn't that much into what was going on in the pop culture radar so i don't know if that caused all sorts of controversy but you know to move, a movie about a guy who goes off the deep end it was like you know the back then it was what well, people said that you were going postal right uh-huh yeah. that was the term and, of choice yes indeed and i do you remember any controversy like a big hubbub about that no, the biggest thing I remember at that was laughing at the fact that Joel Schumacher thought he could make a film with some sort of uh, me- personal, some sort of message for the world and depth and and a deft comedic touch at the same time, which he can't. But yeah, that yeah, I, re- I certainly remember the uh, the uh, the the interest, the the bu- the buttons that that movie pressed uh, or was trying to press in the public were yeah. Kind of similar to to Joker. Yes, I would give you that. That's a pretty good corollary, actually. Good job, Roger. If you're still there, I don't know where he is. Um, so, oh, I hope he's <laughs> still recording. Yeah, he's probably just stepped away to take care of the dog or something. But yeah, I mean, most of the time, like I have a vague memory when I was younger of the the controversy around the lap, last temptation of Christ. Um, but that may have been just been because my my grandmother was very. Uh, She's kind of evangelical, and so I'm sure she was being told by Jack Van Impey to protest it or something. Um, <laughs> that's the only movie I've ever walked through protesters to see in the theater. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, especially I was 14. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you must have felt like, like it was oh, memorable. Man, this is dangerous. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I just go back, like, so you go back to Joker, I, I, I thought a bunch of different things and like I, I was never able to discern any one like message from the movie I thought that uh, there were a couple there was one particular line and one particular scene that I thought were kind of like okay this is what he's getting at um, in the line the line that be- I thought was yeah go ahead go, go ahead well the line was, was right before uh, I guess yeah spoilers 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 Right before he shoots Bob uh, Robert De Niro's character, and yeah. what does he say? He said, "This is this is what happens when you let people with mental illness have guns, or something like that." I, I like when you won't. It's it's what happens when you take away. When you won't help the mentally ill, and you have a lot of guns around. It's something like that. Yes, he absolutely yeah, I mean, makes the case straight out. Yeah, that seems like a very very plain. Uh, like this is. What happened? Like, I mean, that's what everybody. Every time there's a mass shooting, we talk. There's back and forth. Like, no, it's a mental yep. illness. No, it's guns. And it's like, you know, hey, it's both. Uh, and if you're not going to yeah. help, 
Um, and yeah, I mean, I, but but again, I wouldn't say that's like the central. He seems to be saying a lot of other things, things about wealth and about you know lots of disparities and about men who hate women and God, the, just that the like I told my wife that she can't watch it because just because she hates to hear about uh, children being hurt, even fictional children, and to basically when you learn why um, I forgot his the character's name why he's got like his condition that makes him laugh and, and why he might be mentally ill. It's, it's very sad because stuff like that actually happened. Um, so I don't know there's a lot different going on and, and I, so I've never seen the movie network. So I, the scene after that shooting where you just see all the different TV screens, apparently that's a nod to network. I didn't know that. Um, I thought that was just kind of a commentary on the, just the way, I don't know, just the way we kind of are obsessed with uh, viewing people and laughing at them and not really understanding anybody. But I don't, I don't know. I'm sure you could take that a number of different ways. Uh, we were talking about network. We'll just pick it up from there. Yeah, well, so, yeah, I, didn't, uh, I didn't hear anything you said after that. I was just rambling about network and I had never seen it. Um, and this, oh, this, this. Yeah. So, and all I was, and so all I was saying was that 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 series of shots of the TV banks, mm-hmm. uh, you're exactly right. I mean, you were. It. I. I don't think it matters that you know whether or not it's a network reference. Mm-hmm. You absolutely interpreted the image the way you were supposed to. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes, so that was the point. It, that there are so many. Yes. That it's, it's reminding you. You know. It's asking you to think about when violence is entertainment and it takes on a much stronger sort of, it takes a much more sharpened edge in the day in, in, uh, in today's media landscape where you have so much footage of so much actual horrific violence that you can tune into and enjoy, uh, you know, at your leisure, if you care to, and what does that mean? (laughs) And it makes you think about, well, why are you watching this movie then? Which I think is really smart. And I think the movie, actually is doing and i don't think it's getting i don't think it's getting enough credit for being that subversive and probably because i don't know that it was i don't i don't know if any of this was intended (laughs) i truly can't tell he made an idiot savanted his way into a really (laughs) interesting statement that he didn't even know he was even making which is great yeah well i mean it's it's it makes you wonder, like, what if he goes and makes you know, his next three movies and you go like, all right, wait a minute, this guy's got a viewpoint and you can go back and say, oh, OK. But for right now, you're just kind of like, I, I don't know. Um, yep. <laughs> Excuse me. Although I will say this, <coughs> after, after this and, and going back to The Hangover, the first one, he can legitimately argue he's the king of the R-rated genre film. Like, what yeah. R-rated? genre film wouldn't you take to him at this point uh, he's going to get pitched so much stuff <laughs> i mean r-rated comedies aren't supposed to make a ton of money r-rated anything isn't supposed to make a ton of money and he's done it twice now <laughs> and yeah, that's, that's really something yeah I, I so i'm curious um i, I mean like I, I don't know if i'm gonna go see it again in the theater probably not but uh I'm kind of curious if you think it's going to be nominated for anything. I feel like like some of the like the cinematography, it was really kind of very pretty to look at to me. I don't know, just a, kind of a rich hues and so forth. Um, but you're the expert on this sort of thing. 
It's great, ugly cinematography. I, I mean right, that so. purpose. I'm, I'm, I'm saying that. I, I, I'm not being. <laughs> I'm not trying to be funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it is. It, it is. It looks great. That score is really special too. It's a oh, really good. good score. Is that if another Trent Reznor score? No. no it's, okay. it's it's somebody else. I forget. I think I'm. I think it's a female composer. And I cannot, I'm blanking completely on her name in the moment. Um, I don't know. It's really hard for me to get a read on this. I would like to think that Joaquin Phoenix probably has the best shot. I mean, if anything, it might get a best actor nomination mm-hmm. for him. Um, that's always interesting because that's a game he doesn't really want to play. He doesn't, uh, he, he doesn't like to dress up. <laughs> and go shake hands and be nice and, and do this. Um, but they tend to nominate him anyway. Yeah. Well, he's never won <laughs> though. Has he? Recognizing he's fantastic. No, he's yeah. never won. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I found only it. It's slow of brothers to be nominated for, for acting Oscar nominations though. I do like to point oh, this out. Very interesting. The, he the, and River Bi- are the only brothers. Billy Baldwin's never nominated for anything. Believe it or not, he has not been. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, I mean, I found it, like the way that he was able to, to laugh and make it seem like he was crying, I thought was very impressive. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that might not be the most impressive acting that he did in there, but I, th- I was like, well, that's, that's really good. It reminded me a little bit, we, we were talking about uh, some of the upcoming movies, and, and I was like, I don't know who, somebody at work sent me the, there's a new Edward Norton movie. And like, yeah, like he, Mother he was Brooklyn. To, yeah, he gets to play a guy who's got, uh, Tourette's. Uh, what, Tourette's. I'm like, yeah, okay, that's right up Edward Norton's alley. Like, he, he's way into like, like the, what is it, Primal Fear playing the, the split personalities and, yep. uh, you know, not necessarily, um, Fight Club as much, but, uh, what was, what's the one that I'm thinking? Oh, the, the, the score. Like, he really likes to yeah. go all in. And do these uh, yeah. wild things, so I, I'm kind of interested to see that. But well, what what's interesting is that's actually an adaptation of a really fantastic novel Ooh. that is this really literary novel. Like I'm curious how I can understand reading it and thinking, "Oh, I can make this," but I don't know how he's going to make this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really interested. I mean, on paper. This feels like, uh, this feels like, you remember a couple of years ago? No, you don't remember because nobody saw it. Ewan McGregor directed, he made an adaptation of American Pastoral, the Philip Roth novel that won the Pulitzer Prize. And, you, and if you've seen it, you go, yep, that's an adaptation of that book. It doesn't get anything right, but it absolutely is a faithful adaptation of that book. <laughs> it doesn't work like the book works. It, it, he's trying God bless him for the effort. I'm not saying it's, it's a failure, but like you thought you had this and you could just shoot it and it would all come together and it doesn't. That's my fear for motherless Brooklyn, but I hope so. I, it's a, I mean, it's a great book. I, I yeah. would encourage you or anybody to read it. It's a really, it's, I mean, it's a very easy read. I'm not, it's not, it's not homework, <laughs> but yeah. it is a, it is a literary novel that it does take that as premise. It's a, it's a private eye novel with a guy with Tourette. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it works. It's very interesting. I'm trying to remember the name of the baseball player who had Tourette's. Oh, I feel like John he played Rocker? for the Phillies. Sorry, that was no, easy. No, no. I think he played for the Phillies in like the 80s. But, uh, yeah, well, this was where Roger would come in handy, but he, uh, he's making slushies or something. Um, but, 
<laughs> no, but yeah, that's a good, uh, interesting topic that I, because there's there's always there are always those movies where or the, those novels that people are like nope it's unfilmable, and then yet people will always try, like what was um, speaking of uh, of Joaquin Phoenix he was was it Inherent Vice is that what yeah. I'm thinking of? Yes, uh, he was the lead in Inherent Vice. Paul Thomas Anderson's attempt to adapt Thomas Pynchon. Yeah, which, which again, I didn't. Yeah, I, any I never Pynchon saw. novel, you got to think that's not going to work real well, probably. But um, <laughs> to be fair, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson isn't going to try to be. He's not interested in. He is not as interested in doing a faithful adaptation of any book as he is making a really good movie. <laughs> and while that's I think good. Inherent Vice is arguably the most hard to like of all of his movies <laughs> it is i really i like it i think it's a really good piece of work and it, he's very interesting in it it the, my problem with the inherent vice movie is it's not as funny as the book the book actually made me laugh out loud more than the movie did and so i wish the movie had captured more of the humor of the book yeah yeah i, I wish i could comment on it, but i haven't read it or seen it so I don't know That's why I brought it up, right? <laughs> but like, there are uh, like far was, better things for you to see and read. I'm sure. Was it that Confederacy? Uh, Confederacy of Dunces. I've always heard that people yes. can't make that a movie. They have tried and tried and tried and tried, and and it never quite happened hmm. for a variety of reasons. I mean, everybody's been attached to that at some point. It was uh, Phil Hoffman was going to do it. John C. Riley's going to do it. Uh, I guess it came really close with Will Ferrell at one point, which would be horrifically awful casting. Uh, <laughs> if you've ever read the book, trust me, that's just yeah, horrifically yeah. awful casting. Uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, maybe that's what Joaquin Phoenix wants to do next. God bless yeah. him. Let him go. And if he, if he can ride this Joker wave into getting that made, more power to him. That would be sweet. What, um, has anybody ever even uh, broached the topic of trying to make a, like an infinite jest movie? <laughs> so interestingly, the uh, the one time it's happened, uh, here's a blast from the past. Uh, uh, oh, why am I blanking his first name? Where else is he from? The dude who played, he was the lead in. Uh, uh, oh my god, I can't believe I can't think of his first name. Gordon is his last name. He was the lead in Christine, the adaptation of the Stephen King book. He oh, did wow. a bunch of stuff, and he segued into being a director. Keith Keith Gordon. Um, and he's made a, he's made some interesting movies. Um, he did an, uh, his, he actually bought the film rights for infinite jazz. <laughs> he wow. paid money <laughs> to have the rights for a while and he was going to try to adapt it. And he wanted to do it for like, it was going to be for cable. Like it was going to be, for, it was going to be yeah. long. Not that he was going to do the whole book necessarily, but he had it in his head that he was going to do it. Uh, and even more interestingly, and you can find an art, I remember reading an article about this in Slate, I think one of those, one of the online magazines where, um, <laughs> so it's not a movie, but this, this theater company in Germany actually put together a 20 hour stage adaptation of infinite jest Good in God. which you had to like go from place to place throughout a city. Like it, it took place in different parts of, of wow. the city. <laughs> it was like a full immersive thing. <laughs> if you want to try, you know, if you want to read about attempting to tackle uh, a, a novel that 
seems to be uh, unadaptable into any other possible artistic format. Yeah, well, that's uh, that would be interesting. No, I, I that does make sense. It would make more sense to me as a like a cable series, I guess, just because you know, so like you said, it's hard to adapt. I don't, I don't know the, the um, I have yet to see the new HBO series, The Watchmen. I don't know if you. Uh, I have not it. either. I have not seen it. Or if you've heard anything about it, but um, I just Alan Sepinwall or Sepinwall, however you pronounce his name, was really into it. Um, he said it, it does a better job. It's you know it's not the same story as the movie, the Zack Snyder movie, which was uh, mostly faithful to the graphic novel, but also not very good. <laughs> um, Other than screwing up the ending, yes, it's mostly <laughs> faithful. Yeah, yeah, yeah it did. Uh, he treated he treated the graphic novel like a storyboard. Yeah. Well, supposedly this is kind of in the in the same you know universe, but it's set many years later, and it's supposed to be pretty good. I don't know. I, I I'm kind of curious because it's you know Damon Lindelof who did Lost and Leftovers, I which is another show. Anything, I didn't... But okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I never I never um I never saw Leftovers. It, it that's another show that people like. I've heard it's incredibly like dull, but also people who got into it were just absolutely enamored. So I don't, I don't know what to think. I heard it got much better once it stopped having the uh, the novel to work off of. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Which I find fascinating. It's the Talk opposite of uh, Game of Thrones. <laughs> Which I've never exactly. seen. Exactly. Sorry, guys. It took me a little while to get back there, but... Uh, yeah, um, that's all right. Yeah, no, it's okay. I was uh, taking care of uh, my father... Oh <laughs> geez. No, 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 it's fine. My, my dad. So, um, for an update, my uh, my father update. By the way, uh, my father, um, is now in a uh, home for people with dementia, and he's being taken well taken care of. And so he called me. It was kind of uh, wow. This photocopier stuff. <laughs> I was watching that in the meanwhile. I was talking to my dad. Um, wow. Um, but the 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 link you sent me, Chris. But uh, anyways, oh, yeah. yeah, he was just. I'm going to talk, and then I had an f- old friend of mine call me, too, at the same time. So, But my, my dad was funny. My dad goes, you know, they uh, they pave you here. You know, I don't have to do it. They do it for me. And I'm like, oh, okay, dad. And he, I'm like, that's cool. And he's like, and then he's like, talk about the nurse. He's like, man, she's really shapely. <laughs> he's like going oh, on about boy. the nurse for like 15 minutes. I'm like, all right, dad, all right, all right, enough. I don't, I don't want to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Look, I got that off there. But uh, no, um, I didn't mean to interrupt your conversation, but uh no, it's a it's a good illustration of which which parts of your uh, your mind are still intact, no matter what. Oh yeah, no, yeah, that part, yeah, that part never goes away. But uh, you guys were talking about like the the, the Michael Douglas reference to falling down to the Joker, and I heard that. We guys were talking mm-hmm. about that. Well, yeah, you were the one who told like suggested that, and I hadn't thought about it, and I thought it was really an interesting parallel. Yeah, because I mean, and, and Perry, to me, I, the, the whole the the story behind the Joker too, Perry. I mean, you. The, the Todd Phillips, you know, he's known as a comedic director, and he was given this movie as, like, Warner Brothers telling him to go away, essentially, right? Because Jared Leto was supposed to be the next Joker, and then he had such a weird experience with Suicide Squad, and they only gave him a limited budget, and he took it and ran with it, pretty much, correct? So, from what I understand from listening to interviews with Phillips, he actually pitched this idea to Warner. Like, he had the idea of doing this with the character, but knew they had all the rights. And he basically, he's talked about pitching 
a whole. Uh, he said, I, I, I kind of pitched an entire studio called War, uh, called uh, DC Black that would be all these one-offs that were gritty origin stories for the bad guys. Like that was his overarching idea. And he took this meeting and he's, he's had more than enough successes that he could get a meeting like this. And they basically told him, okay, we're not giving you a movie studio, but this is an interesting idea. Here's some money, develop, come back. We'll figure this out. That's kind of where they were. But yes, they had Suicide Squad in their back pocket. They figure, and that made, I, I ended up looking at this. I never saw Suicide Squad. Nor I did had I. To look it up. I, had to, I went to look it up to find out. I had no idea that film cleared $300 million <laughs> domestically. What? I had no domestically? idea. Domestically? Wow. wow. Yes, just domestically. And interestingly, um, it didn't do as well overseas. It di- actually didn't do as well foreign, whereas Joker probably isn't going to hit $300 million domestically, but has already passed Suicide Squad foreign. Wow. It's actually wow. made more money worldwide than Suicide Squad has, which I think is really interesting. And especially funny if you guys – did you see the story that went around about how Jared Leto utterly freaked out yes. about the Joker movie and tried to get it killed? This is the best. This is the best dumbass Hollywood story to hear. I love it. <laughs> I did this not story. hear this. Yeah. I can't get enough. Oh, I'll send you a link. Oh, yeah. Right. And honestly, guys, and yeah. I, I don't know about – I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I don't like Jared Leto. I don't like him at all. I Like, okay, so here's the thing. Like, 30 Seconds to Mars, whatever, fine. That's what your thing. I didn't like his character in Blade Runner so much. It just, it just pissed me off because when I watched Blade Runner 2040, <laughs> he, like, it was just, maybe because he was talking in, like, these, like, riddles. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about, man? Like... <laughs> You're supposed to be this guy who's creating all these replicants. And you sound like an asshole. Like, stop. Like, I, I did honestly like as a villain. If he was supposed to be quote unquote, I was more scared of his, um, the the one that ended up killing Robin Wright, the, his uh, his replicant who she put the fear in God of me. Jared Leto was just like this old dude who looked like a jap, like he looked like an anime <laughs> character put in a movie. Like, I I didn't understand it. I don't. I I mean, as an actor, he was good. He was good in American Psycho because he gets killed. I mean, I, I really oh. don't like you know. I, I don't know, man. Yeah, I, but I'm an American psycho. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know about you guys, it's but bone, <laughs> it's bone. <laughs> um, are we in a Chilean restaurant? You're gonna have yeah. Um, <laughs> I gotta return these. I gotta return these tapes. No, but I I I I, I know. I'm not a big fan of Jared Leto. I'm with you. Don't worry about it. Jared Leto. Jared Leto is not without talent. Jared Leto also seems to be so incredibly full of himself. <laughs> yeah. That it's very hard to take him seriously, and this article will do nothing to change your mind about that. Fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> but um, in terms of the joke, getting back to the Joker, like um, I was talking to Chris too about the the King Kami reference to Robert De Niro, like kind of a pain, like a uh, a nod to it a little bit, I think. Yes and no. See, here's for me, like there was all the talk about how King, this is just King of Comedy and Taxi Driver, and. As I said before, Taxi Driver is the greatest movie ever made, in my less than humble opinion. I think it's an absolute, that's as good as we got in the form. And I don't think that this movie is directly referencing either of them. Mm -hmm. I think it wants to put you in mind of those. I think it wants you to think this film was made in the spirit of those movies. And I think it is. Um, And so I just think that De Niro casting works, like, just at that really sort of generic reference level like it's not really it doesn't want you to think about those movies 
it, it, it doesn't beg comparison to those movies like, say, La La Land did to the classic movie musicals. Like, <laughs> that's a film that wants you to think about all those other great films, that it wants to take its place right alongside it, and it doesn't measure up. Joker, I don't think, for, believes for a second it's, it's those movies. It's doing something else, which I think is really interesting. And I think it uses, I think it uses references to those movies in really smart ways. Like I said, just real story, just to put you in the mindset of this is this is this is the ballpark we would like to play in. Not that we think we're this good, <laughs> but this is what we're kind of going for. We hope you'll come with us, especially if we have Bob De Niro here to, to remind you that he, he's yeah. here. So right, kind of a little bit, yeah. <laughs> and I, while that doesn't always play for me, I, there are directors who I would I'm sure would slam for doing that. Uh, but again, I'm only going to swim if I don't think the film works on its own. And I think Joker totally does. <coughs> I mean, for me, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the fact that Thomas Wayne was portrayed as not not from Batman, from, not from Bruce Wayne's perspective. Because Thomas Wayne, in terms of from a, a character standpoint, has only been viewed tw- not as this great father figure twice, and that was in a DC animated movie where he plays he plays Batman if Bruce Wayne when Bruce Wayne was shot instead of him in a parallel universe, and he's like this he's a vigilante, but he just uses guns and kills people, and he runs a casino. And this is the huh. second time where Thomas Wayne is portrayed differently, and I, I like the portrayal of Thomas Wayne as this suburban, or this rich powerful man who really doesn't give a flying F about the entire society, and that's the way yeah. the way that Todd Phillips did that too, I, I really like that, and, and also the the one thing about the movie that maybe the only thing that made me uncomfortable and squeamish was the way that Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix, was able to contort himself. And I don't know what it is about skinny people. Like when I saw the Machinist with uh, Christian Bale, I don't know what it is about yeah. that super skinny and the way they move and you see the ribs and the way they contort themselves like that. That freaks me out. It reminds me of some sort of like like the um the Hobbit. That whole like oh. yeah like yeah it reminds me of it for whatever reason I don't know why, but the way that was kind of like even like the whitey tighties I had flashback of like you know just semen stains on or something I don't know but anyways just, uh, geez, yeah I know I, I went there for that but uh, the stroker skeletons are scary man skeletons are scary that's why it works there's a reason yeah. don't worry about it yeah that's it's that, all it's HR Giger or whatever. Fears. <laughs> it's the it's the the flesh is weak and decayable. We don't like to be reminded of that. This is the entire. This is every every David Cronenberg film is about this. No. <laughs> it works. Crash. <laughs> well, so like, <laughs> I know we were gonna. You're gonna go see the Irishman, right? In uh, in about a week. I see the Irishman uh, when we record this. I see it in eight days. So uh, I am I am making sure that I don't cross any busy streets. I am making sure I'm having people taste my food. I'm going to make sure I will be there. I'm excited yeah. for this. Me and then too. we, uh, the, the, uh, the general public gets it another couple of weeks after that, a month after that. Well, like that. It's, it's, it's that weird Netflix thing where they don't release things real wide for a variety of reasons. Some of it is there's some mm-hmm. major, there's some major exhibitions, uh, companies that won't show Netflix films, uh, so they'll show it in New York and L.A. to be sure that it qualifies for Oscars. And it's going to be interesting if they can get pushed into playing this wider than they planned to. Uh, I don't know what their game is. 
they're as we I think we've talked about this. You know, they don't release any box office information. You cannot find out how much money Roma made in theaters. Oh, interesting. They won't they won't release this information. Just like they don't release information about how many how many times a particular episode or movie gets streamed. They keep this information completely secret. Uh, so I don't know, but you get, I think it's three weeks afterwards. I think it's the eight fifties so of the 20, I think November 22nd, it's on Netflix. Hmm. So, and they will not delay that. That will be, <laughs> that'll be when it's there. Believe me. My, my hope is that you to play in theaters throughout the award season, but who, I, I don't know. It's, I don't know how much of a market there is for a three and a half hour film. <laughs> I hope it's out. Well, there. I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, I think Scorsese is going to get, you know, there, there, there will be, and, the, you know, Pacino and Pesci and De Niro, people will want to see all those guys together. It, it is, you know, what's interesting about it to me is, uh, and it's interesting that, the, you know, Scorsese's comments about superhero f- films and stuff, it's using special effects in a way that we've mostly seen in superhero movies to this point, right. and, and like Gemini Man or whatever, which I don't know how that did yep. or how it was came across. Um. I always want Ang Lee to do well, but then I don't ever see any of his movies. Um, <laughs> I want him to do well, but I just don't want to help. I get yeah, it. Yeah, I have, I have no desire. I like the Ice Storm. That's enough. Um, <laughs> but yeah, because it's, it's you know, when I was, it, I kind of don't want to know too much about it, but I did read previews and, you know, involves Jimmy Hoffa and all that stuff. And it's basically following these three dudes. Is it like three different periods of their life? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I, so this this project this is the last of the the projects that Scorsese has been carrying around for like over ten years mm-hmm. that he's finally getting made. There've been three games in New York he worked on for oh my gosh eighty nine over thirty years no sorry over twenty years that was I mean he originally talked about doing games in New York in the late seventies with a score completely by songs from the Clash wow. <laughs> Like it was going to be this film about New York gangs in the 1800s using <laughs> modern music to score it. Uh, and so, yeah, so the Gangs York happens 25 some years later after that. He had Last Temptation for 15 years before he finally got to make it. And yes, this has been around. I mean, I remember talking about uh, the book is what? Uh, I Paint Houses. I think that's the title of the, the book that this is based on. And yeah, that I remember when he got the rights to this, and they were talking about this in the, I want to say late '80s is when this first started bouncing uh-huh. around. Maybe it was the '90s, but it's it's been a long time coming. And for another number that blows me away about this is, <laughs> so everybody thinks Scorsese and De Niro like constantly, right? Mm-hmm. So it's been 24 years since the last movie they made together. It's been Casino? 24 years since Casino, right? Yeah. Wow. And if you go back to, I love this game. If you go back 24 years before that, they hadn't worked together yet. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you had, you know, Taxi Driver, uh, Raging Bull, King of Comedy, Goodfellas. Am I missing any? Mean Streets. This is Mean Streets. Mean, New York, New uh, York. Mean Streets. Yeah. Oh, so they did a lot. Well, then he moved on to DiCaprio. Yeah. And De Niro moved on to oh, uh, yeah. Meet the Parents. That's and analyze this. That's because they both made a lot more money. Well, Scorsese got more money to make his movies, mm-hmm. <laughs> and De Niro made a lot more money. <laughs> it's a win-win. There's a reason yeah. they've been apart for 24 years. 
Well, let's see. Has, and of course, uh, the great irony of this is that it's De Niro that introduced Scorsese to DiCaprio. Because oh. he's done this boy's life oh, with him. This boy's yeah, life. Oh, yeah, there's, oh, there's a lot of lies in the movie. Oh, boy. And told, and, told Scors- and told Scorsese, this kid's the real thing. He's fantastic. Yeah, that was, uh, God, that movie's so fun. De Niro's character and DiCaprio's character. There's so, there's so many one-liners in that movie, too. Horse Some... apples. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or when he says to his mom, you're only going to get... You know a thing or two or about a thing or two. <laughs> you're only going to doggy style or... <laughs> On your side, those are your only choices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I'm trying to think. Has he ever worked with Pacino before? He must have. Did it? No. Scorsese? Really? Yeah. No. This is that's why it's a big deal. And all the buzz is that it's Pacino's film. That Pacino's going to oh, be wow. the one who gets the, who will get the biggest awards buzz out of this. <laughs> well, I'm curious if, if he'll do. Who is it? Titus Welliver. His three versions of Pacino. Yeah. Is that <laughs> yes. Yes. If, if you could, if, <laughs> if hope, because this is taking place, uh, if it takes place over three eras, maybe we'll get all three of them. <laughs> Ooh-ah. Ooh-ah. If you, yeah, if, uh, the, people seek this out. He did it on the on Kevin Pollock's chat show. Uh, Titus Welliver, the fantastic stage actor and star of uh, co-star of Lost and star of uh, 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 Bosch on on Prime now, does. These, uh, he does. He has the ability to do Pacino in like 1969, Pacino in 1977, and Pacino in 1992. And there's three <laughs> distinct impressions. And he not only gets the voice right, he just gets the physicality down. And it is it is a glorious thing to see. I know they've excerpted that ten minutes. You can find it on YouTube. It's so worth it. I cannot recommend it highly enough. Yeah, I mean, you were the one who showed that to me, and I, I remember laughing at it. He's so soft-spoken and, like, you know, quiet at the beginning. And toward the end, he's looking around the studio, and he's like, yeah, it's funny. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I was kind of curious what other films are coming up that you're looking forward to or you're planning on seeing. Oh, gosh, it's just that time of year. Things just just flood so much. I'm really interested in uh, uh, Jojo Rabbit. Oh, yeah. Jojo Rabbit. Taiki Watiti or whatever that was. Yeah. I'm I'm sorry. I don't know his his name. Yeah, I can never pronounce it correctly either, so I'm glad you tried. It saved me the worry. The, uh, yeah, this is the film about a, a kid in growing up in Germany in the heart of the Third Reich, who uh, he's, I think he's supposed to be like 9 or 10, and he has an American, imaginary friend, and his imaginary friend is Hitler. Yeah. And it's a comedy. I want to be real clear, this is a comedy. I ended up yeah. talking, explaining this film to somebody for like 10 minutes today, and then I realized, oh, they think this is a drama. <laughs> no, <laughs> this this is a comedy. So uh, I'm interested to see if that can be pulled off or not. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm that's you know, their story. Noah Baumbach's new film looks to be really great. That's also Netflix. Mm. Uh, I am not looking forward to seeing Cats. I'll be very honest. I think that's going to be wretched. Oh, Cats. Uh, oh yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I, oh my God, I heard people that talking about creepy. the trailer, but I didn't. I never did see it. <clears throat> what is the one with um, Shia LaBeouf uh, where he's basically playing his dad? Is that already out? Oh no, I know what you're talking about. I'm not. I'm not going to be able to pull the title of it. Yes, I'm. I would see that. I am. I am intrigued. Shia is fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> Notice I didn't say talented, but um, I did say fascinating. <laughs> yeah, I, I found him likable in the first Transformers. Yeah, I mean, um, he, he, uh, he did a motivational video that I'm a fan of, so there you go. 
Oh, there you go. He's 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 a genuinely odd dude. Yeah. Well, he's, uh, yeah. he's Jared Leto without the burning need to look cool. No, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I do. He's had an interesting arc. I mean, at least he, I thought like in for a while he would end up like. I mean, Robert Pattinson, let's face it, like, I did not realize he was going to be such a great actor. He's turned himself into a really good actor. And I thought she, I thought LaBeouf would be had that way, but I was mistaken. Clearly I was mistaken. But, uh... Well, yeah. You never know, man. I, I I don't know. People's careers take weird paths. I... I and like, burn, I remember when Robert Downey Jr. was, like, a complete burnout, you know? He was yeah. still making a, the occasional, like, interesting movie, but, like... When, when was that the mid '90s when like he just showed up in somebody's bushes and like somebody else's house or like U.S. Yeah, I remember him in U.S. Marshals randomly. Yeah, U.S. Marshals. Yeah, yeah. He, was in that. he was a villain um, in that movie. Yeah. But, yeah, he and you know, and now that he's talked about how happy he was to sort of be free of the the Marvel universe and he could do whatever he wants. What's he doing? Oh my God, Doolittle. Doctor Doolittle. Doctor Doolittle. Another effects film. Doctor Doolittle. So you know, <laughs> like George Lucas talking about how he just wants to make his little independent films again. They never get around to it. <laughs> yeah. At least that... give Coppola credit. He Coppola actually made a couple of those in the last fifteen years. I'll give him some credit. He actually went back and spent you know just a little bit of money. Scorsese can't make a movie that doesn't cost $150 million. He can't. He doesn't have it in him anymore. <laughs> this is why DiCaprio has to be in all of his movies. He can't get a budget. Otherwise. It's why no one would fund The Irishman. It's why Netflix had to come and say, okay, here's your $130 million that you need to make this movie. Just make it for us, please. No studio is going to back him on this. Because he doesn't. And to be fair, he spends it. It's on the screen. Yeah. It doesn't, you know, he's not, it's not greed. He just knows to get it to look that good. He's got to spend that kind of money. Yeah, that's funny. <coughs> wait, wait, going back to it, was Shutter Island a horror movie? Or was that? Suspense, I think it was more suspense. That was, and I, yeah. I, really, I, I like that movie. I mean, we I knew the entire it. time, but, you know, the, you know what's going on. But uh, maybe, you know. Getting back to what we talked about before, uh, the thing before adaptations, because that's an adaptation of a Dennis Lehane novel. And that's no. one of the – I love Lehane. I think Lehane's he's one of my – he's a really good writer. Uh, and that is my least favorite Lehane book. In fact, I actually hate the book. <laughs> I thought the book was awful when I read it. Uh, and the movie, I think, is fantastic. Like the movie just takes everything that's good in the book and then advances it in really great ways. I, I'm a big fan of Shutter Island. Now, wait, is Dennis Lehane one of the – like that name reminds me of like the – those the religious books where the people just disappeared into the sky. That's oh, like, hey, like, sorry, what, 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 damn it, what were those called? Where uh, people just uh, left, left behind, left, left behind. behind, yes, yes, sorry, of which there have been two movie adaptations. <laughs> one with one with Kirk Cameron and one with Nick Cage, oh. they're both ridiculous. <laughs> Man, we were left behind. Where's the Constitution? Declaration of Independence. Um, I wait for the Kirk Cameron. You know what I'm waiting for? I'm waiting for Perry discusses Kirk Cameron's film catalog. <laughs> oh God! Well, you know, it's you're funny. gonna keep waiting too. <laughs> it seems like every time I, I'll, I'll check to see what movies are playing. If I, you know, I haven't paid attention, and there's one, I'm like, I've never heard of this, and I look at it, and it's, it's like legit, like Christian movie. 
Yeah, I, oh, I, it's, it's a market. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't. It's like it would be like a kid, like he's a high school wrestler, and and something happens, and like, what is this? And like, oh, all right, it's just like a pure Christian movie. But they're out there. I, I guess I, I don't know. I don't ever see advertisements for. And what is really interesting is when you see the movies that are trying to piggyback on that market without, but but still not like say they are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like um the my favorite example of this is. <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to talk about this movie. Uh, uh, Snow White and the Huntsman. Yes. Remember this piece of crap a few years ago? With, uh, I remember with, that, yeah. uh, Speaking of Robert Pattinson. Yes. Yeah. Robert Pattinson's uh, uh, former paramour and uh, Charlize Theron. So this is, you know, there's a retelling of the Snow White tale. So, you know, there's witches and there's magic. And at, at the be- near the beginning of the movie, when our young princess heroine is, is, is imprisoned, she she clasps her hands and recites the Lord's Prayer. Oh, so wow. we're in a world in which Jesus and magic exist. <laughs> in case you were wondering, uh, and that always struck me as one of those super cynical, oh, you did this just to piggyback with this audience. Like, you're not, yeah. <laughs> you don't mean it. You're just trying to earn an extra $30 million by getting churches to block book your movie buy 300 tickets and give them out to parishioners. Yeah, that's what I, I was just talking to just a random uh, just note the other day at the uh, uh, along the lines of cynicism, that old uh, was it Soul Asylum? Collective Soul? There, the group that did Runaway Train? Oh, that's, uh, that's, yeah, so, that's uh, ru- Soul, Soul Asylum. I was, you know, when yeah. they made the video showing about all the missing kids, I'm like, do they really want to help these kids, or are they guaranteeing themselves that it's going to be played every hour? Exactly. Yeah, so. That's exactly the right question to ask yourself. <laughs> Cynicism. It's great. Oh, man. But, uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, right. Now I got, I'm thinking of the witch, the Huntsman because my wife liked that movie a lot, and I was like, ah, I'm sorry. I, I, I had to sit through well, this. Snow White. Yeah. Well, she likes that stuff, so I have to. You know. I, I I participate in the movies. Do I like them all? Not, you know, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. So, but she that's that's. Yeah, you have to like every movie. Oh yeah, no, no, yeah, no, definitely because I I she didn't want to see it, so I saw it by myself, and I've been doing that lately. I've been seeing movies by myself. It's actually therapeutic. It's uh. <laughs> no, yeah, I I no, I like watching movies by myself too. I wasn't laughing at that. I was just I, I don't know if I talked to you about my whole it thing. My it theory, no, about the uh, like why they even bother to make the second half with the back in the nineties or with this one. Like I don't, nothing is scary at all to me about a bunch of adults fighting like a supernatural creature. <laughs> <laughs> like, like this, you know, like the kids. There's, there's, yeah, there's inherently something scary about being a kid and not understanding stuff and, and think bad things are happening. I like that. But like the adults just like move away. Don't go back. Who cares? Like what is You made a promise, Chris. Why, why are you doing this? Yeah, you made a promise. You're like who gives a shit? Go away. This is this is the, the Jaws four problem, right? Jaws four yeah. revenge in which the the widow of, of Brody is now living alone and decides that the shark is after her and so moves to Hawaii. Not Utah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't get it. But anyway, 
Sorry, Roger. Didn't mean to. Oh, no, it's okay. That. No, just... no, it's okay. I just was enjoying the fact that I going to the movie theater by myself. It's pretty cool. I mean, in, if you go either in the morning or late at night and just sit, it's just it's kind of a relaxing thing. Like I. Oh, I love know. it. Yeah, I I, uh, I saw Joker by myself uh, a couple, I guess, month and a half ago or whatever. I, I uh, yeah. Harrison was at school, and I took the day off anyway, and so I went and saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood by myself. Uh, I don't know. If, did I ever talk to you about that, Perry? You said you saw it. I don't know if we've talked about it in detail, though. Oh, yeah. Well, I enjoyed it. <laughs> They're re-releasing it this weekend. I saw that. I was kind of curious about that. Is that. Is there any particular reason for that? Is it just to get some more buzz before award season? Or? <laughs> That's basically it. They've cut in four, uh, from what I understand, four ads that the that uh, De Niro's character, or DiCaprio's character, Oh, yeah. that, uh... throughout his career like that's what's edited like nothing important has been added maybe yeah. I'm missing some you know grand sequence that was lost or anything but yes that's uh, uh it's it's going to be interesting it, it it really is more than likely going to come down to Scorsese and Tarantino this year at the Oscars which will make it just the best film nerds Oscar in forever it's, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm really looking forward to the Oscar show this year oh interesting Hey, Roger, did you ever go see that? What, the, which one? Once Upon a Time, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that, remember? We talked about that. Uh, like, see, yeah. yeah, we talked Sorry, about that. Yeah, we talked about it in August. Yeah, that was, yeah, the, in the podcast, I think one of the things about that movie that uh, I forgot about, what, or that I almost forgot there was some of the, the cameo, too, was uh, I was talking about um, Emily, uh, em, or Hirsch. Um, Emil. Uh, Emil Hirsch. Yeah, Emil Hirsch is in that movie, and I forgot that he was in that movie because somebody made a reference to him the other day, and I totally forgot it was in that movie. But uh, uh, no, Jay Sebring. Yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite. That's one of my favorite movies of oh, the he summer. Oh, plays Jay That's my favorite movie of the summer. So I don't. Know, that... It's it's really great. <laughs> I'm a big fan. I, I think it's an outstanding piece of work. <laughs> yeah, I enjoy yeah. it too. So yeah, very good. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pumped, and we'll we'll have you on a little bit after during Oscar season. That's for sure. So plenty of baseball going on. The World Series continues tomorrow in Washington, nation's capital, first time since 1933, I believe. That sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. Like I. Oh wait. Oh, go ahead. I have one great historical fact about last night's game. Yes. Go for it. I'm pretty sure this is true because I heard about this before the series started, and I haven't checked up on it, but I was thinking about it, and it made total sense to me. So do you realize that last night, I believe Fernando Rodney became the uh, became like the Zelig slash Forrest Gump of Major League Baseball. <laughs> I believe last night he became the first pitcher ever to pitch in the wild card playoff game, a divisional series game, a league championship game, and a World Series game for a team in each league. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I, I, I haven't looked into that, but it sounds right to me. Because <laughs> he's, you know, what is he? 43? You can be mediocre and be everywhere. How great is that? This <laughs> is why baseball's wonderful. Yes. <laughs> Not to mention he's throwing what a fastball and a, and a changeup. That's it, Chris. I mean, essentially. Yeah, it's, he's uh he's been a two pitch reliever. Um, I think that he maybe threw a slider a little bit in, early in his uh, Tigers career. Yeah, his his career has really been fascinating as as a guy who just couldn't throw strikes for the Tigers. 
And then he left and went to the Angels and wasn't very good and then went to Tampa and was just amazing. And since then, he's been, you know, fringe average to above average, even though he's in his, like, mid-40s. It's, uh, yeah, it's a really remarkable career. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it, – it, not to mention, too, what I like about Fernando Rod- – the, the, the shoot-the-arrow thing, like, when, when you see those old-timer – why is he wearing his baseball hat crooked? Because of its dad, douchebag. And I hate when people say yeah. it. Like, get out of here with that nonsense. He should wear his hat straight. Okay, well, since the guy yeah. who wears a trucker hat, or <laughs> potentially with the, you know, so. Says the guy who wears a trucker hat. Yeah, probably. So, <laughs> right, well, You have to have yeah. your bill straightened out. But uh, anyway, um, we're out of time. Thank you so much for listening to Tigers RD on the Tiger Mind League Report. So a couple things announced, too, as well. So, we have Mark Gourash that's coming out with the show. It's not a team build. It's a, or not a rebuild. It's a team build. It'll be coming out shortly. Also, Marching Orders. So from here on out, Marching Orders, I should have said this at the top of the show, um, but Marching Orders will now, we'll just have three shows essentially. So Marching Orders will be an hour weekly recap with Chipman, betting on the guest. And for Tigers, we'll be carrying on. So Go Erie, or Lake, or sorry, Marching Orders is going to have like, elements of go here we go those segments will be named and there'll be some stuff on the crossover too uh between that so three shows a lot more information thrown at you on the minor league report so more on that as the season will start back up again and if fingers crossed i'm trying to get the lakeland in march um but i realized that the booking time that chipman suggested is during spring break so flights might be expensive so i'm gonna see if i can get that a little earlier and I'm trying to convince I got to convince uh, Mrs. Brown to see if you can go as well. Oh, yeah. Well, depends on it's usually dependent upon the election schedule. Yep. But uh, although she always tells me that I can go, but I feel bad, like, you know, leaving the family behind. Yeah. No. And yeah. And and that mentioned too, like I have to consider the, the wife and I were thinking about going to do uh, go to uh, Disney World. And do multitasking, mm-hmm. so I'll be doing that. And of course, you know me; I have to do two things at once for some strange reason. Um, but that would be the case <laughs> um, with that. So either way, so much content coming at you. Like I said, a little bit of the off-season mode. There's some sites that are updating all the time. We're taking a step back. We had a long season. So Perry, thanks again for coming on. We really appreciate it. And uh, next week, always fun. Always fun. And next week, no show. So no show. Uh, next week's Halloween. Yeah, next week's Halloween, and so we're taking a week proper off. So it might be a best of. I'm not sure yet. If I have the time, I definitely will. Um, Our spookiest moments. Yeah. <laughs> do cliche, like, horror <laughs> movie stuff like that. Yeah, no. You know what? Yeah, we could probably do a spooky. Yeah, that's a good idea. So, um, yeah. So it's probably expect the best of. We might go back a couple years for that. And, yeah, some written articles coming up along the way, too, as well, sooner than later. So, um Perry, thanks again. We look forward to talking to you soon, man. Thank you. Love you guys. Happy to be on. Oh, wait. Wait, wait. What? Perry, where can yeah. people find you? Yeah. Yeah, duh. Oh, you- yeah, forgot to plug your show. Oh, God damn gosh. it. Sorry. Get ready. Uh, yes, I've got a, a podcast with a fellow critic of mine, Chris Williams. We do a podcast called We're Watching Here, which you can find on all your regular podcast platforms. Uh, we drop a new episode pretty much every other Friday. Uh, if you want a long, hour-and-a-half-long conversation about the Joker, that's the place to go, along with a lot of other stuff. You can find me at Perry Loves Film on Twitter. I'm on Facebook, and as I like to say, you can usually find me third-row center at your local multiplex. 
Sweet. All right. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, thank you, Chris, for reminding me to, to plug the guest. Duh. Um, but, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, like I said, it might be a best of. We'll, we'll keep you posted. Also, I just – oh, forgot to mention – um, starting in November, there'll be an Adam and Eve sponsorship part of it. So just a fair, <laughs> so fair warning. Um, yeah. So anybody for, that was they were the sponsor on uh, on Bad Hop Radio way back yes, in the day. They were. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's a flashback to that, and I got a fundamental discussion with uh, Ben, the other SRD guy, about like, oh, Adam and Eve is not. I don't know. It was, it was a funny discussion. I'm like, dude, it's just stuff for couples, man. People. I don't, yeah, it, it is strange how every like podcast ad has to be about your balls or about <laughs> boners or about sex toys yeah <laughs> <There's> nothing, like <laughs> where's like the encyclopedia britannica <laughs> yes for uh for 12.99 or like you know what you know what i'm surprised yeah, yeah that, that one a-hole kid yeah <laughs> those old ads like that yeah the one yeah that the one kid that looked the sm- like the know-it-all smart ass kid or yeah. you know what? Or even like you know, what I'm surprised. Like even like uh, the the hymns. Now hymns is a new thing that's been coming out there too. Hymns, they, they're promoting that, the stuff for men, like hair products and balding. So yeah, that's important. Yeah. It's important to people that are balding. I happen not to be yeah. one of them. So there you go. I mean, but uh, yeah. Anyways, we're not gonna make fun of sponsors. Hey, if you like Adam and Eve, that's cool. So that's uh, someone coming down the pipeline. Until then, we'll see you. 